government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God bless America? No, no, no. Not God bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America. As long as she tries to act like she is God and she is supreme. Is me trying to will myself into showbiz mode to do a podcast Woo! it's podcast time i still am very tired it's electric today. in here <laughs> i'm looking at jake his hair's standing on end Woo! shit Woo! shit no i still feel like death man i had a rough night last night um not as rough though as uh the servers at the balthazar restaurant uh-huh. i don't know if you've heard about this you seen this you seen this, folks? James Corden got banned from this restaurant in Manhattan because he um, screams at waiters and stuff. Now, was it a scream or maybe a breakdown section of a live carpool karaoke? Oh, yeah. I guess he could have done carpool karaoke like meanly at someone. <laughs> yeah. he, like, he was just doing the freak on a leash scat section yeah. at his waitstaff <laughs> until he gets what he wants. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, you had to be a big shot, didn't you? <laughs> you had to open up your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, so what's his deal? Is he's a mean man? Apparently he's really rude. To mean like, man announced. Like uh, service workers, uh, service industry folks. And like um, he got banned for, I guess, I can't remember what, which one it was, but a bunch of stories kind of came out at the same time. One of them was like his wife ordered a an egg yolk omelet and they yeah. sent it with whites There's in it or a tint, something. A small tint of white. I or have may strong have been a white objection to the beginning know. of this of premise, which is, what is an egg yolk omelet? Right? That what does not is, exist. What the fuck? How decadent? Eat the whole egg. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> you only want the part that's just like congealed fat? <laughs> These British, man, they're weird people. Uh, it's, they want it because it's harder to make. It takes longer. <laughs> they want to do the like tortured bird ceremony to an egg, and it just doesn't work. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I'm forgetting the name of it, but the one where they like blind it and then feed it and then uh, oh. put it inside another bird. Oh. They torture oh. a bird to death. And a it turducken? Makes it no, not a turducken. Bird box? Yeah, bird box. <laughs> Netflix is bird box. <laughs> I don't know what British doing. people are doing bird box to birds, and now they're doing it to eggs. How long can this indignity stand? What the hell were you describing, though? Were they blind a bird yeah. and put it inside another bird? I think that's a turducken. No, a turducken is a turducken is a bird inside another bird. The really thing turducken. I'm describing is a uh, it's a decadent. I think it's French. Uh, 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 um, dish where you take a very specific kind of bird and feed it until it dies, essentially, and then oh, it's God. like super fat and uh, it tastes better. I'm forgetting part God. of this herb. That's fucked up. I bet you get that at a nice restaurant. Like There's no way, <laughs> no way I could get the word for this without googling bird torture. But that's what James I'm doing. Gordon is like, I want a fat bird. A fat bird. A fat bird is the word. I said a bird. But sing with me. Sing with. Me. He's not singing. Yeah. Damn it. And then he. Remember when he. Flash mobbed people as the mouse from Cinderella. I this guy is so fucking hateable. Like it, it's very vindicating in retrospect because I just already kind of was like, I think this guy sucks. Um, but he apparently when he 
when he didn't get his yolk omelet or whatever, he says like, um, three, give me a round of drinks for free right now, you know, or you else I'll yelp you that. or whatever. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> that's just stealing. I mean, you, you get comped sometimes in situations like that. But he just said, give me a round of drinks right now, free, or else I yelp you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when this happened, I guess it went kind of viral. And so all these like other stories came out because a bunch of people were like yo here's what he did at my place and apparently he's just a fucking weird nightmare and like screams at people in, in, in restaurants and stuff and he also did carpool karaoke to me at my laundromat i would that would i would be traumatized he had he, it coming <laughs> he had it coming he got a bad yelp review that's you yeah Breaking the law, breaking the law. <laughs> While he's just like smashing their cash register. <laughs> <taking> their money. <laughs> oh, man. And now, this is the obvious point, too, but it's like, James Corden, you can buy three drinks. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? You're a TV person. <laughs> Why don't you have enough money? I've seen so many videos of you annoying people on the street. <laughs> I've never tried to watch your show. <laughs> it just it made me laugh really hard because he... Um, I was him for Halloween two years ago. Really? I was his Please character cats, from Cats, right? yeah. for Jones. Oh, yes. And, uh, and now I just... For the COVID Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> the darkest timeline. That was when I had a lot of time to put into my Halloween costume. <laughs> I did like a, a very uh, attempted, uh, accurate Cats weird cat human cat. It was stunning. It was like you were Bustopher Jones. <laughs> yeah. But he now I just am thinking about that Bustopher Jones every time I think about these poor servers these poor getting servers. screamed at, you know? He's mm-hmm. he's like got his little top hat on. He's <laughs> <laughs> okay. just demanding made up foods. <laughs> I said cat nip. Please. <laughs> Maybe he's start, gonna start going to cat cafes. He should. Oh, He's do they be have kicked out in- of all the human ones? <laughs> yeah. oh. He has to eat at cat cafes. I was uh, thinking of the cat cafes they have in Japan, where you go and you sit and they bring you a cat to eat. No, not to eat. <laughs> Did you know they eat the cats? Well, no, you um, with your bird I thing. I mean, say- the bird thing is a French <laughs> thing, and that those people are sick in the head. This is Japan. It's a whole other thing. They're the England of the East, and what they do is they have. Uh, cafes you go to and you get a nice coffee or what have you and also you can pat a cat that's pretty cool i like that I, that's much better than the this bird torture thing it's, i was it's kind of a nightmare because like, like they then lock all the cats in the cafe and they live in <laughs> oh, like man. a weird uh prison but yeah yeah no they're like strippers if you think of. about it so does every indoor cat I yeah, I think about that a lot with Murray. I'm just like, man, what like is it weird that he's just in this room forever? But then it's like, I've had a lot well, of outdoor cats. They die. Yeah, they they, they die a lot. As we've there. discussed, there is just he's surrounded by literature, basically, and entertainment, <laughs> right, for his nose of sniffing. <laughs> well, he has do. I cocaine. hesitate to reopen the cat smelling is reading discussion, so I think we should probably move <laughs> oh, on. Oh, I didn't even. <laughs> I forgot. It's Pod Damn America what? for another week. Because there's books everywhere. Oh, oh yeah. I guess he's reading Sean's books. No, he's, he means because your house is full of smells. Well, I mean, hella theory and stuff. Maybe he's gonna go on Antifada and talk about fucking Kropotkin or whatever. It, it's possible. I mean, we don't know that cats don't <laughs> actually take in the words possibly through smell because the, their noses are so 
complex. What? Yeah, that no. What each is letter. Your theory. We here. don't know that. You can, but if you have a strong enough nose, you, you could tell. You could probably tell each letter. So your apart. idea is that the books are written in smell as well, and so you can I smell mean, them and see them. Does does print not have a smell? It has one smell. Yeah, but if so you let, have they don't a have really, a scent per letter. Yeah, the letters have different scents because they're different shapes. They th- that's not how smells it, work. It's, it's a different amount. And this it's is the sh- it's the you this know won't shape buy at which you it hits any you. leeway in court. You will never get this <laughs> past a the jury of your peers. Damn it, you're no. James Corden. Just like the cottonew. The cottonew. <laughs> Bring me a couch to smell, <laughs> <laughs> or I yelp you. <laughs> or I yelp you is a very funny thing to say to him. <laughs> Did he really say that? Yeah, he said, or oh I'll yelp you. I'll or yelp I you. yelp you. Oh, my God. <laughs> I yelp you. Oh, God. It's There's- just extra because he's British, so it's like he's, I don't know, he got this weird authoritative accent where he's going to talk down to you. Also, I mean, not for nothing, but I work in service in Manhattan, which is where most of the tourists from Europe hang out, and... uh yeah, they're not. They, Let's say it. They're not. Let's get it on the pod. <laughs> they don't. They a lot of them pretend like they didn't research tipping culture. And someone gave me a, a British guy gave me a fucking Sacagawea dollar the other day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, you know, I love like, to visit the continent and flip a silver dollary do at my serving <laughs> men. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> do you like, have any egg yolk omelet yeah. at the bar? You don't. <laughs> I said, give me a Budweiser. <laughs> he gave, ordered like $30 worth of drinks and then gave me a fucking sack of away a dollar. God. I was like, where did that you even it? get this? That was it. Yeah, like a co- like I tossed a gold coin at me. You, drink boy, do you have any Guinness strained from a shoe? <laughs> you don't. You don't have it set up. I want to come over here. I mean, it is, and this is very stupid, I think, that they still do this, but in the UK, they do, a lot of their money is still coin. Like they don't have like it's dollar bills. Place. The smallest bill they have is for five quid pounds. It, it's an island for sickos. Yeah, I'll yeah. say it, and so that's why just... they lost Liz Trust, folks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, speaking of pounds, the, they turned into ounces. Actually, talk about one tortured bird. This <laughs> fine lady <laughs> had to flow the fly the coop. She's blind and inside of another bird, folks. <laughs> Throwing up or whatever the fuck. You hear what I just said? I, she uh, she turned the pounds into ounces. Oh, that's inflation. Really clever, actually, that took a, it took a minute to land because it was so intellectual. Oh. But yes, she did badly damage their economy in the five days she was prime minister, <laughs> and also the queen died. <laughs> and then she left, and now they're going to bring Boris back, which I think is very funny. Yeah, he's kind of. I mean, that is like a British. There's the what's that play? There's a Shakespeare play where. Uh, I think King Henry VIII, maybe one of the king plays. One of his king plays. One of the kings is he's like. You're still working to... on your king plays, Shakespeare. Are <laughs> <laughs> you gonna do something about normal people? He sh- should have done more of that, arguably. But um, you should make Seinfeld Shakespeare. Hey, I mean, they've done Pulp Fiction Shakespeare. I wonder what if they Shakespeared. Ooh, that That'd would be, be good. A good. Is that a thing, actually? Instagram account, you know, mashup, like uh-huh. sign peaks, that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Shakesfeld. Have you seen. She doffed her cap. <laughs> Have you seen Bard Shakes or uh, <laughs> yeah. Bard Fiction? No, what's Bard it's Fiction? Like a, it's like, it does like the rounds at fringe festivals, but it's a Shakespearean version of Pulp Fiction. Like they change Pulp Fiction, make it into 
Queen's English. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know. It kind of like sucks, though. If, I don't I mean, <laughs> depends on what you're into. being cool. But there, there's a Shakespeare play where there's somebody has orchestrated his becoming king, mm. but then pretends, goes through a whole scene where he's like, oh, no, I could not. I, I, I Me? Mm-hmm. Not I. I cannot become king. Yeah. Not I. I, 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 I don't think. I, I think someone else should become king. <laughs> and then they're like, no, sir, you... It, it, it should be you. Must be king, my lord. Yeah, but it would be so funny if someone else was like, "Oh, really? Okay, I'll do it." And then his plans are ruined. But um, I, th- I feel like that's what's going on with Bojo with Boris, mm. right? Is he's trying to? Oh, he's stage. He staged his own comeback. It's, I mean, that's probably much like likely giving him too much credit because he would have had to think that all out. I think he called himself Cincinnatus. Returning to his plow. Is that what Cincinnatus did? Back to the throne or whatever. Cincinnatus. Yeah, Cincinnatus. What's Cincinnati? We're in a room full of books. (laughs) I I don't expect my Cincinnatus reference to be approved. (laughs) I don't Um, know if I've read that one. And you know what the thing is? I think he called himself Cincinnatus. So it's not just me saying it. We're all saying this mofo likes Cincinnatus the way he returns to power and has a weird body. Cincinnatus is like a philosopher that invented putting uh, spaghetti in your, spaghetti in your <laughs> yeah, chili in your spaghetti. I, I don't have, I don't owe you an explanation of Lucius Quintius Cincinnatus, oh the God. Roman patrician oh, statesman and name. military leader. <laughs> Man, that's a. Jeez, I mean, that's a pretty highbrow riff. You just, what are you, I know. He says Dennis Miller over here. <laughs> and yet I'm being uh, <laughs> accosted by a room full of fools. <laughs> he apologizes by saying, please. That's a Cincinnati thing. Is, Is it? it? Do you know that? I knew that from combing uh, the Cincinnati Wikipedia page, which I would do. All the time in my early teens. <laughs> all, all the time? Yeah, they say... <laughs> how what's much, your reason for that? <laughs> how, how much could it change? You read it one time, you probably got it, right? Well, there's a lot. It's very thick, as in as most cities are. I had but one they have, where I oh, no, it's not, a suit shop, and I read the entire corn Wikipedia, and that's not short, people. I bet not. There's As we'll, we'll get to, corn mm. plays an integral role in American life. I <laughs> said I want chili in my spaghetti. Does that work? <laughs> Right, yeah, instead of this this is chili with spaghetti, not spaghetti with chili. I want spaghetti with chili. I, I don't know anything about Cincinnati. What I they only say, know Lucius Quincius Cincinnatus. They do they do instead of it's not sorry, never mind. It's um when you can't hear somebody. Uh-huh. Most people would go like, "Excuse me? What what was that?" Uh-huh. And they go, "Please." It's, they go, "Please." Yeah. That sucks. That's so confusing. <laughs> yeah, that's well, I don't like that. Nobody's doing please? that. Please. That irritates me more than when people call soda pop, which I know is a regional thing, but it just feels wrong. No, to me. hey, you and me both, brother. I ref- that was I as I said recently on the bonus. I had moved to Minnesota as a kid, mm. and I refused to call it pop. It was, I will not say the yeah. word. <laughs> I will not use your dirty pop. The current in sync song around the time this would be happening. <laughs> pap, pop, Pabst Blue Ribbon is what is where it comes from, actually. No, that's it's not. True. That's not true. It's Ignore from that. Wisconsin, and that's where they say there. Sometimes so. it's a politics podcast where sometimes we lie to you, <laughs> making shit up left and right. Okay, uh, um, oh, but Britain, I do want to say. <laughs> okay, it is very. It's like torture. Torture. It's like a bird. I'm a bird being tortured. To I watch. regret ever bringing this up. <laughs> it, but isn't it to watch like 
labor, the labor party there is now completely primed to uh, take power. I mean, there's not going to be election. There's no election, election for, unless they call one, though. Well, they're they're going to have to do one in let's see, five years from 2019. That'll be 1924. Um, 2024. Two more years. Yeah. Um, hold, hold it. <laughs> I know it seems like your empire is crumbling before you. If you can wait till Keir Starmer is premier, maybe we'll turn this oh, around. God, I hope he's so weird. I hope he's fucking out of there because it's so frustrating to watch now. You know, after that uh, they purged the left mm-hmm. for no reason. I mean, well, for a reason, which is you know ideological. Um, you know, to get rid of them is what yes, was the reason, right? But politically, <laughs> but they don't like them. They did not have to do that. It's actually been bad for the Labour Party. They have lost money because people have left and been kicked out. And under Corbyn's leadership, Labour had way more money mm-hmm. because they're more pay- because you have to actually pay dues to be in Labour. You gotta admit, though, it does feel nice as an American to watch another country suck so bad. Yeah, I mean, they're original for five seconds. Just stop thinking about the Democrats and make fun of a man named Keir. Keir Starmer. Yeah, but they feel so close to one another. Like, it's kind of the same. I mean, there's so many similarities. But it's just not just Compared here. to, like, most countries. <laughs> and they'll, the United we'll States. always have that. Yeah. I mean, there is the argument, too, that if it was Corbyn still in the driver's seat or uh, Rebecca Long Bailey or Social Slavery Party, then the markets would be doing fine. Your because... natural instinct to counterfactual is taking over. <laughs> this is not a real thing that's happening. <laughs> it could, though. I mean, maybe maybe they'll get it together and kick Keir out, and there'll be another coup yet again from the left, but I'm not too optimistic about that. Uh, fingers crossed. Meanwhile, over here, we've got a con-con coming up, maybe? How about Keir Starmy? And he's a Pokemon. You know? And he evolves from Keir Staryu? Yeah. I think right. right? I believe Starmie's the big one. Is that true? I think Starmie's the purple one. Oh, uh, shit. Starmie? jewel in the middle I of didn't it? know there was a pop quiz on here. <laughs> I don't know. Pop quiz, hotshot. Which one's the big starfish? I said bring me a Starmie. They both shoot laser beams for some reason. Are we just a Pokemon podcast? I know. Now? I just got it on the brain. He's the one who said Starmie. <laughs> I didn't do it this <laughs> <Hey>. time. <laughs> That's one of the you know few animes I actually know pretty well. At least the first, gener- first uh, wave. I'm trying so hard to pivot to, to politics again. <laughs> what what Pokemon? Oh, Snorlax. Okay, Snorlax. Oh hell yeah! Our America's Snorlax. <laughs> oh yeah! Has, <laughs> is in the news. Uh, he's now actually. This is probably you know you, see you would this? think you got to play a flute to move him out of the road. <laughs> Snorlax. You would think that Steve Bannon would not want to be in jail. But is he, he a is Snorlax. He's he, Snorlax. He's Snorlax. And I think Snorlax would probably appreciate the peace of mind, the the calm, and the you know. Yeah, because he can sleep. Yeah, oh, man. Snorlaxes are most comfortable in jail. <laughs> that's, that's where they belong. It's their natural predicament. Also, the Pokeball. Let's face it. That's pretty much jail. You're being condensed into a ball, and you that's live in the true, ball. Yeah. Are you? Because I think I've seen some glimpses inside where they're basically like. Put to sleep. What glimpses inside have you seen? Don't they have there are no glimpses fuck? inside. <laughs> Did they not ever show that on the show? No. Well, Be- because it's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> that is weird, though. Yeah, they. I mean, if they're awake in there, that's fucked up. Yeah. Best case scenario, they're like tranquilized and put under anesthesia and like have a small death until they're returned to fight. Tra- <laughs> I mean, I remember, I of course had to come up with 
what was in there as a kid. Yes. I had to think about that. And it was the nineties. You had to do you that. had to come up with something. And I think for a while my vision was they have like a uh, hamster wheel in there and they work it's like a gym, so they're always working out, they're feeding, they're yeah. they're just getting primed because and it's like smaller, right? Because mm. they do get smaller. Sure. And they turn into energy. Maybe they're just energy, I think is it, you do watch them transform in energy and yeah. to go into the ball. So Steve Bannon's in jail. I, I didn't mean it to detour us so hard into Pokey Town. <laughs> Pallet Town. Yeah. Uh, Steve Bannon, he's in jail. Yes. But. He's in his Pokey Ball. He is still moving the Pokey strings of our little puppet play, That's even right. from behind the scenes. And trying to turn the United States into the society in Pokemon, which. Steve some Bannon, would argue, go! Bannon, Bannon. Bannon, Red Scare Podcast. <laughs> Someone would, some would argue, and so I, I believe there's at least three PS, PhD dissertations about this. Steve, that the world, Steve. The world in Pokemon <laughs> is a fascist uh, society. That the I human believe world. so. Their political arrangement is somewhat sticky to evaluate. There are mayors. Uh, there are uh, businesses. There are police, although the police seem to be made up of one family for at least all of uh, the Kanto region. So I don't, know, I don't know what kind of society that is. No one seems to be making money. They're all just fighting all the time. They have universal health. Yeah, care. it sounds fat, like a corporatist. Yeah, like, like a corporatist fascist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, yeah maybe uh, Silfco is actually just also in charge of uh, the political orientation of the country. But I uh, feel like some culture studies uh, <laughs> doctorate has written about this. Um but, yeah, so <laughs> this uh, came across my desk yesterday. Um, I had to hold your meetings. Yeah, I appreciate I moved, it. I moved them over. Andrews gave me a call. He said, push my meetings. I'm not going to have time for them now. Yes. I was, I was marshalling at the New York City DSA convention that they held at a Unitarian church. ACAB includes Andrews. Ah, damn. Um, not in Pokemon. But uh, at this convention... There was a keynote speaker, keynote address from Bill Fletcher, longtime uh, DSA member and man of the left, who began his speech by asking, who here has heard about the Constitutional Convention that's going on, that could happen? Big pop in the room. Yeah, a lot of people, there was like a pause. (laughs) Well, yeah, it was, and I honestly don't, but he was like, show of hands, I Honestly, cannot tell you if I raised my hand or not because mm. my thoughts were the same as everybody else's, which is like, um, maybe I've heard of that. It's right. kind of like when somebody asks you about a band. It's like when somebody asks like, you what happens in the Pokeballs. Like that, too. Yeah, you want to see like you're in on it. Yeah. Um, like, have you heard of this band? And you want to say, um, I think I have heard of them, possibly, maybe. Yeah. Instead of just saying, like, yes or no. Uh and I don't remember what I read because it's. I it was like maybe I've heard of that, mm-hmm. but a lot of people raised their hands mm-hmm. after a second just to be cool. Maybe they were just being cool, so or maybe they're just they were actually up on it. Um, but upon further further reflection, I th- I d- did not know the level of detail that uh, one one probably should about this situation. You know, maybe I've heard. Uh, we've all heard um, whispers about constitutional convention. When you say those words, doesn't necessarily sound like a bad thing. That's what they're doing in Chile, and it's sort of like a... I remember we were, we were voting on whether to do one in New York a few years ago. Right, and I voted for that, actually. Right. Because 
It's New York, and yes, you can change a lot of uh, laws very quickly at a con con, but also you can get washed by uh, the, uh, the people with money <laughs> right. who suddenly advertise all the crazy yeah. things they want and then get them. Which is why that got voted down at the same time. I mean, I remember at the time the argument, I, I ended up voting for it because it's like the state constitution sucks anyway, yeah. so we might as well just give it a shot to try and get a better one. Mm hmm. Uh, because New York is so restrictive. Um, but this would be for a national constitutional convention? Yes, which, and, you know, the United States is not, as bad as New York is, it's no United States of America. Yeah, I'm always saying that. <laughs> it's one of the states. It is. You gotta admit that. It's um, New York, Some people don't want to, actually, and that's what this is kind of about. They might kick New York out, maybe. But... Oh, no. This is... <laughs> So this is a... <laughs> You'd lose a lot of money kicking the <laughs> True. But this is um, a an effort going on, and I don't even know that I'm against a constitutional convention in general, but you would need the requisite, like, movement power on the left for that to be a good thing. Which we do not have. Right. Okay. And if there was one that would happen now, all the political money is basically on one side, and they, you know... Would want to determine. eliminate American democracy. Right. To the extent it even exists now. Yeah. And so you were saying Steve Bannon was like pushing for this while he was, you know, in the White House. And now that he's in jail, he's somehow still <laughs> a kraken at it. Yeah. I don't know his what he's plan doing. is coming together. <laughs> <laughs> he's mostly just tapping his fingers together, like in a little uh, clam shape. You know what I'm talking about? Like mm. the spider said to the fly. <laughs> <laughs> He's waiting till people come to his cell and he's telling them riddles. <coughs> That's how you move a plan along. <laughs> but he, so this was written, I think, before he went to jail. But in The Guardian, there's an article by uh, Ed Pilkington about... Anglo names! Yeah. About um, this... Rumble Thumber Batch. <laughs> so there is this guy... Luke Carrington! <laughs> Attempt number four. Seymour Nottingshire. <laughs> Sentence attempted no number six. Can I do it? Go on. This act guy actually sounds like... Billy Codfish. Bustopher Jones. <laughs> okay, that's it. I'm not doing it anymore. Mark Meckler, which you would have gotten to eventually. Sure. He's a uh, founder of the Tea Party who is now the head of Convention of States Action, or COSA, which is the first word in Cosa Nostra. Um, Tell me God didn't it. have a plan. <laughs> so he said on Bannon's show, his podcast that he does, we need to stay constitutionally. No, the federal government cannot be involved in education or healthcare or energy or the environment. They're going to have a convention to just try and take away all of those uh, those things that the government does on the federal level. Um, what would that even mean? Just like we open up national parks, like you can make a McDonald's and <laughs> Yellowstone now? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, he goes on to just admit, and they're pretty open about this, that this is an anti-democratic, small-D democratic uh, agenda. And he says the problem is when the administration goes back to Democrat or radical progressive or Marxist, which is what they are. When it goes says. back to Marxist yeah. in America. 
There are people who were saying, Obama, this we are in socialism right now. Right. And then, oh, we, there's this brief. It's just such a fanciful, like, we go back and forth between socialism and capitalism, depending on who the president is. <laughs> when he was is... wearing, when Obama wore that tan suit, <laughs> that was the indication. Yeah. Right. He was turning to Marx. Yeah. So they're lamenting that they're going to lose all the gains that are administered through the executive branch um, <laughs> when, you know, it switches from Republican to Democrat. So you do the structural fix, is what he says. And that involves legislatures, state legislatures, which uh, have been trending Republican for a very long time, or a little over a decade. But, you know, back then, uh, like in 2010, there were 14 states that were controlled by Republicans. That was it. Um, Obama had just come into office, and then... Marxism was the... Lay of the land. Right. Or, I mean, most places, I, I would guess, were divided. There was, you know, one state house was Republican, was Democrat, the, you know, and the governor would, was another. So it was like a mixed thing, but there were, like, not that many that were unified one way or the other. Um, now, the number of state houses controlled by Republicans is 31, which is most of the country. Um, and... They're going to try, you know, to get a constitutional convention to happen, you have to have these um, state legislatures voted in. Um, So essentially, like, every state would just individually vote on this, and then that would trigger it? Yeah, if you do uh, two-thirds majority. So it would need to be 34 states. And right now, Republicans control 30. Oh, damn. pretty fucking close. Oh, no. (laughs) To a fascist country. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hope they don't get that together, because uh, my, oh. man, my man is Norlax. Yeah. Long yeah. story short. Yeah, it's uh, it's scary. It's definitely something to keep, keep an eye on, um, because, you know, we can talk about how the far right has fallen out of favor in the eyes of a lot of Americans. They're alienating people, and... You know, social conservatism in many ways has gotten less popular, although some would argue it's making a comeback. But none of that really matters because they're not really trying to do this by democratic means. No, they're kind of dunking on us. They overturned abortion like three months ago. Right. (laughs) They're uh, kind of on a huge hot streak right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, that's a bummer. (laughs) And uh, I think we could all use some cheering up. So why don't we talk to a guy about what's going on in Haiti for a while? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I feel so terrible today. The news is just making it worse. Yeah. Uh, yes. So um, the nation of Haiti is uh, it's actually on a country that's... Or what's the island called that's both... Uh, I was going to say that, but that sounded sounded wrong. Piratey. Yeah. Like something a pirate says. That's right. It sounds like could be a Pokemon trainer's island. Or it's something. not. No. I shouldn't, <laughs> no. I shouldn't say that. Um, yeah. Who wants to do the segue? Because I, I, <laughs> I intro him, so it might be weird to have me segue into my own intro. But. I, think it would be I think we should All just right. cut it after you said who wants to do the segue and then <laughs> put in the interview. <laughs> Oh, should I stop recording now? Uh, yeah, well, we're going to stop go... recording and then we'll do a little ending. Okay. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Okay.
And now, Pascal Robert. Bam. All right, we're recording. All right, here we are. All right, we are joined by Pascal Robert from the This Is Revolution podcast, also attorney at law. Uh, thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you for having me. I'm not practicing law right now, though, but that's okay. I usually get that mischaracterization. But don't you get Pascal to... Robert, judge, jury, and executioner? <laughs> it's okay. Do you do you still retain the title though, even if you're not? No, no, not 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 practicing now. Okay, so it's not like that worked. You have to call somebody a senator if they were only there for like one year. Or is something. is Daredevil still an attorney when he's Daredevil? <laughs> I mean, he doesn't advertise it. But if somebody asked him, I think he would. If have they to we could ask him a question, yeah, yeah, he would be able to elucidate a full response <laughs> legally. <laughs> Uh, but we are talking today about a situation going on in uh, Haiti, which is a place we um, last checked in on, I guess, about a year and a half ago after the assassination of of the president. Things seemed like they were going so well. Right. <laughs> what happened? Whatever happened got buried in uh, the news media here in the United States. So I guess we should begin, uh, Pascal, by filling us in on, on what has occurred over the past year in Haiti, because it, it, I, I assume it hasn't got, been going swimmingly. Um, but but what are what are sort of the bullet points for understanding the, the situation there? Well, the major bullet points that has to be recognized by most audiences in the West is that the immediate consequence of the Jovenel Moise assassination, Jovenel Moise, who was the president that was killed at the behest of a variety of questionable actors, some believe that it, it was done by the Haitian oligarchy at the behest or with at least knowledge of the United States in collusion with uh, international mercenaries that causes assassination in July of 2021. The United States basically put in a provisional government that was unelected by the Haitian people without their without their mandate to govern the affairs in the country, hopefully trying to rein in protests that people were demonstrating because of not only the assassination of the president, but because they felt that they were not democratically having their desires being met by who was governing their affairs. Haiti hasn't had elections pretty much in six years. So as a result, the United States put in a, a, another puppet regime to do their building to govern the Haitian, to, as an act of imperialism, if you will, to govern the affairs of the Haitian people without them having any say what's going on. One of the things that's been a major problem is that in the wake of the vacuum of a stable governing power that had the mandate of the people, we have this phenomenon of gangland, that gang activity on, on the island where you have these kind of paramilitary gangs. Many people assume that they are being financed by the Haitian oligarchy. And we should talk about the Haitian oligarchy and what it is and how it works as well, as a matter of fact, who are being financed by the Haitian oligarchy to create political instability on the island and they're being used to basically protect some of their business interests as well. Because the question becomes, who else has the money to provide kids from inner city peasant gang, you know, locations, $5,000 arms per shot in terms of a country that's supposedly as poor as Haiti is. So there's a strong correlation with the belief that the oligarchy, which are the corporate elite of Haiti who are, even though they do have Haitian passports and are Haitian citizens, they are not actually, actually ethnically Haitian. Many of them have their origins going back to Syria and Lebanon, mm. going back to the early 20th century, late 19th century, when they came into Haiti, came into Haiti as a result of troubles with the Ottoman Empire in Germany. And the United States has been buttressing that class of individuals 
individuals by using them as an economic kind of bulwark against the development of any other kind of uh, of uh, economic stable stable group in Haiti, and they have been the preferred trading partner of record with the U.S. going back to the U.S. occupation of Haiti in 1915. Yeah, well, on that note, it, it sounds like one of the, I guess, enemies and sort of a, a boogeyman for the United States, um, people, someone we've sanctioned now, uh, is Jimmy Barbecue, is, is right. what he goes by. Um, and there's been a lot of questions surrounding him, whose side he's really on. Uh, is he you know, doing something that's, that is contrary and anathema to the, the Haitian bourgeoisie? Is he perhaps uh, more in alignment with them? What, what's sort of the constellation of there, forces in this, in this gang war? There's a lot of really bizarre kind of attempts to paint the Jimmy Barbecue Shays, a former police officer, her head of the G9 uh, gang. Some people are trying to paint him as a modern day Robin Hood, as some people are trying to say he's some kind of almost Che Guevara Castro esque revolutionary figure. Uh, I'm not in line with that. I just basically look at him as a thug who's a mercenary for hire. I don't particularly think that Jimmy Cherizier is a threat to the oligarchs because I think that he works at the behest of certain segments of the oligarchs who have the capacity to be funding his weapons. Who, who else is going to have the money to give him the money to buy the arms that he has to maintain one of the two most powerful gangs in the country if it's not one of the forces of the oligarchy? Perhaps one of the former political uh, parties in the country? That's possible as well. But I'm not absolutely sure to say that he is completely as antagonistic to the Haitian oligarchy, as people say. My position has always been that the affairs on the ground on Haiti are still largely being controlled by the Haitian oligarchy, and the United States is tired of the chaos, but is not prepared to really completely, absolutely abdicate its role as the overseer of record of the affairs on the island. I, I believe Jimmy Barbecue should be an elected position <laughs> for whoever's most nice on the grill. Well, that's actually a good question. If uh, there were to be elections, uh, do you think Jimmy Barbecue would stand for election? And, and I don't think he has the credibility on the national front that he he could stand for elections to be given a political office. I mean, that would be talk about a turn of events. Right. But the problem is that the civil society in the country is, has been so corroded because of the terror as a result of the gangs. That who knows what kind of you know a fraudulent election could give you any kind of result. Yeah, and you know you mentioned the U.S.'s hand in all this right now. There's talk of well, money and weapons going in there, but troops potentially American That's troops correct. going to Haiti. How likely do you think that is, and what kind of response would they? Be I met think with? that this is a very, very, very sensitive question because the United States has an abysmal history of getting involved in Haitian affairs. I'm sure you guys remember a few months back, there was a massive, massive outlay in the New York Times that talked about the history of the U.S. occupation in Haiti going back from 1915 to 1934. The various times that the U.S. has, in the last 60-some-odd 60 years, there's been three different times where we've had occupying forces in the country at the behest of the United States that have been disastrous. One of the major occupying forces that we had brought cholera to the country, as well as was raping young women on the island as well that came in through the United Nations. So there is a long history of very, very negative uh, consequences of not only U.S. occupation, but international forces 
or UN forces being brought at the behest of the U.S. and the core group. The core group is a consortium of of embassies of foreign nationals that help in concert with the United States to basically govern the affairs of Haiti. They include France, Spain, the United States, Canada, and a few other countries. And the core group in, in the United States have had a very noxious noxious relationship with this concept called Haitian sovereignty. So I think it would be the disastrous ultimately for the U.S. to actually get involved. But one of the things I'm seeing right now, I was reading in a report in the Caribbean newspaper, they might let a CARICOM country Mm. come in and actually do the dirty work on the ground. People are talking about Bahamas is now preparing to send Marines to Haiti right now as we speak. So I think that there's a possibility that one of the alternatives the U.S. might take is to use a less Caribbean uh, neighboring country to do the actual policing as opposed to sending in its own armed forces. We're already sending in like APCs, uh, military technology, uh, military vehicles already over to the government forces now too, right? So I guess it's just how much you can get out of that. To allegedly shore up the support of the police. Right. Didn't also Canada send in some planes and stuff? Recently, Canada sent in a couple of planes that were soaring and soaring on the island as well. So this is all kind of worrying a lot of people. A lot of Haitians are worried that there is a kind of constellation of forces coming together to reoccupy the country. Well, and that uh, segues nicely into my next question, which is, is CARICOM? Can you, can you explain what that is and sure. how that? CARICOM is a consortium of about 15 Caribbean nations that has started since the 1970s that uh, work together to maintain a certain consensus in terms of diplomatic policy vis-a-vis what's going on in the Caribbean. Unfortunately, relative to Haiti, which is a CARICOM member since 2002, CARICOM has been kind of a uh, intermediary for U.S. State Department, State Department policy and in Haiti and in a way that did not work to the advantage of the Haitian people. But generally, they helped facilitate the exigences of what was coming out of the State Department in terms of demands of the Haitian population politically. Um, this is just a clarifying question, just to clear up. Uh, anything for listeners who haven't been looking into this, but can you speak a little bit more about the situation on the ground right now? There's some gang is like holding a port going into the country or right. something. I've actually it's because there's so much, it, there's so much that changes. Because don't forget, there are large segment people are always talking about the gang activity, but people forget that there are citizens that have been protesting the government at the same time this is happening. There are large-scale protests of the actual government. So I've kind of been watching what's going on with the protests because it's very easy to constantly focus on the gang activity. But last time I heard that there was actually a gang war between two factions of gangs, G9 and another major faction, where they're actually warring over a port in the the Port-au-Prince area. I was reading that. As a matter of fact, yesterday I got a, a, a a news update about that. Uh, the line short of it, from a distance, just seems like there's like a complete power vacuum over there since the puppet regime is like in shambles. Is is that kind of what's happening? Well, I think that the, the, the pretty much that's the problem because there's never been an effort to support or buttress a strong democratic elected governance in Haiti, even under Du Aristide, which was undermined by two coups sponsored by the United States in the West and and France and Canada that made sure that the elected official that was most chosen by the Haitian people did not have a chance of succeeding. As a consequence, there has been this constant belief that there is a need to undermine democracy in Haiti because what comes out of that is something that is not best for the business interests of the country. Don't forget, we have a lot of sweatshops that are based 
on paying what a horrible, I wouldn't, I don't even want to call the minimum wages, sub-minimum wages to Haitian workers. And one of the constant clarion calls to many of the Haitian elected officials who are trying to work in line with the peasant class or the majority of the population is to increase the rate of pay in these sweatshops. That gets into a lot of international problems with the U.S., with with country co- companies that do business in Haiti, that manufacture underwear, all kinds of clothes. As a matter of fact, if you read WikiLeaks, we demonstrated that Hillary Clinton, mm. WikiLeaks demonstrated that Hillary Clinton was trying to oppose uh, minimum wage increases in Haiti. So there's a lot of actors who have always been interested in trying to control the direction and the sovereignty of the country. And the U.S., because of some of the some of its economic interests, as well as geostrategic interests, has been unfortunately facilitating that demise of democracy as well. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like for the, the global bourgeoisie, but especially North American and Caribbean bourgeoisie, we they cannot let the genie out of the bottle in terms of democracy in Haiti, because that would be very bad for the bottom line in, 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 in many ways. Um, but something I was kind of surprised to see, maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but um, disappointed nonetheless, in uh, AMLO, Mexico's president, seems to be sort of supporting the, the American line on Haiti. Um, is that the case? And could you speak to maybe some of his Yes, I've been reading about that as well. How has AMLO as well? As, well, I mean, there's like some history as to some left countries that basically kind of didn't carry over the leftism in terms of Haiti policy. Uh, Lula in Brazil, his, his leaders, some of his, the, the, the military in Brazil were some of the actual major forces of the Benusta UN forces in Haiti that, that engaged in some of the most egregious of offenses of the Haitian people. Uh, not only that, AMLO is signing off on U.S. policy in Haiti as well. This is not a new thing. And sadly, I think that what happens is that AMLO has to worry about the reality of Haitian immigrants coming into his country as a result of possible migration issues. So I think he might be playing some kind of realpolitik where he's looking at the short end consequence of him, whether or not he wants to side with the sovereignty of Haiti or whether or not he wants to side with the imperial power of the U.S. And it's kind of sad because Haiti helped Mexico get get its independence. It's a pretty kind of tragic reality that we're in, that we've come to this point. And what is the the reason for that? Um, is that I mean, some people might join, jump to a racial analysis um, that you know Haiti is not uh, you know the cause, not, not a cause taken up because of um, anti blackness or what? What are some of the historical reasons for the left in countries like Brazil or Mexico and the United well, States? Well, there's some. It's that's not it's not a comprehensive analysis because sure. Venezuela has always been a stand, stood by the side of Haiti through the hardships. We have a very long and positive relationship with Venezuela. They helped a great deal during our periods of economic, uh, you know, difficulty as well. But I think in the case of of uh, Mexico and AMLO and Lula, I think it's because the politics of that they have with the United States makes them a little bit more precarious in terms of their capacity to demonstrate independence on the Haiti issue. And also because they're worried about immigration issues on their own of Haitians coming into their own country, they may be a little bit more willing to be hardline on the issue as well. Mm. Well, that makes me you know want to go back to, to this question a little bit. It, it, if there were a strong democracy in Haiti um, of the kind we've seen slight glimpses of throughout history. What would that portend? What what kind of system would that be? And, and what would the I ramifications think, be for the global economy? I think that that would require a large-scale incorporation of the Haitian peasant class into the choosing of its elected officials 
It would require economically incorporating them into the functioning of the nature of the economy. I think it would definitely have to be one in which the economy could not be rooted in an imperialist international capitalist form that's really rooted exclusively in wealth extraction. It would have to democratize our resource allocation in a way that we're building infrastructure, schools, housing, uh, agricultural development, hospitals, so that this class of people who have been neglected since the end of the Haitian Revolution finally can get incorporated back into feeling like part of the citizenry of the Haitian population. Mm. Yeah, it's something that it sounds like uh, definitely not on the table if you are the the Biden administration, for instance. Um, but what are some of the ways they're like rationalizing this? I know they have uh, a spokesperson now um, who is deployed to speak on a lot of these issues quite often. I, I think perhaps quite cynically, Corinne uh, Jean Pierre, who um, seems like anytime there's an issue with uh, just Latin America in general, but spe- especially like. Caribbean countries, she um, gives the press conference and defends the the American line. Um, what are some of the ways they're they're trying to rationalize you? I think the, the main rationalization is that we have to maintain security and stability and protect the interests of the of you know the citizens on the ground from the dangers of the gangs. I think that they're using that language when in fact the United States and its imperialist hand are part of the reason we've gotten this position in the first place by you putting in all of these puppet regimes, including the Jovenel Moïse regime, by the way, who was not democratically elected, going back to Michelle Martelli, going back to the facilitating the removal of Aristide. So there's a long history going back of the U.S. playing hands in you know, Haiti, Haiti elections that caused all of this house of cards collapsing right now. Yeah, it's interesting. We uh, were talking. This is a while ago, but we I read this book about Smedley Butler, which came out recently, and you know he's thought of as um, kind of a hero among the left United States, and not for no reason. He uh, you know turned against imperialism, but in Haiti, he's known as like the devil uh, because of what he did to you know the just the Haitian people introduced. Uh, I think Corvair. The Corvée system, which was an economic right. labor, almost kind of like semi-slavery labor labor tactic during the U.S. occupation. He also had his hand in uh, 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 the assassination of a very well-beloved uh, a Peralt, uh, who was a, a Haitian uh, freedom fighter who was in the Cacos Rebellion. So, yeah, Smedley Butler doesn't have that same kind of uh, sheen as a great kind of individual or figure in Haitian history. And he's still remembered today there, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, well, I'm curious, like, in Haiti, you know, we've been talking about the Haitian people as sort of a, you know, as as problematic as it is to sort of generalize about, about a people. Um, but how do you think most Haitians feel about the current situation? Because there's, I know... I think on the ground, a lot of Haitians are definitely not interested in having U.S. occupation, but they are concerned with the security caused by the gang crises, and they want to go back to a quality of life where they don't have to worry about the gang issue at all. But at the same time, the fear of the, and the problems and the constant constant uh, persistence of the looming U.S. occupation is something that many do not want to tolerate. But you know, you, we can't essentialize a whole group of, right. of you know of, of people. Yeah, how do they feel about it? Not good. <laughs> they feel bad. Well, yeah, and this is coming after, you know, the past year. Of course, there are those photos that circulated of, you know, literal horseback riding uh, security forces in the United States rounding right. up 
Haitian immigrants and sending them back to Haiti. I, I'm sure that didn't do uh, a great job in in uh, PR. For it the wasn't United great States. advertising, no. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's true. <laughs> um, but I did want to ask you about here in New York over the past week, there was uh, around 60 demonstrators over on Eastern Parkway, mostly Haitian New Yorkers who were demonstrating against uh, U.S. involvement. You know, they're in the United States, but they are against uh, the U.S. government getting involved in Haiti further. Um, where, do, you, do you see a potential for a grassroots movement there? And, you know, there's, we're on the, on the quote-unquote left, um, but how do we sort of build a coalition perhaps with people from uh, the Haitian diaspora or other parts of, of people from that part of the world uh, who are in the United States and, and oppose U.S. imperialism and share a lot of the same values we do, but it seems like, you know, there's not a lot of integration there. That's a very good point. It's a very good question. I think that there's certain organizations that we should look out. The Black Alliance for Peace is, is an organization that has a very good record in terms of its concern with issues in Haiti, where people should reach out to them. I think Komakoda, which is uh, which is another Haitian organization in Brooklyn that is actually very effective in trying to challenging U.S. challenge U.S. imperialism in Haiti. There are organizations that are doing the work, but again, well, just like any society, Haiti has a complicated class tier, and you'll find there are some Haitians who may actually not necessarily be wanting to challenge U.S. the U.S. Mm. Uh, occupation. So you, you, the key is to make sure people are in line with the politics of the socialist left that you're talking about, and there are several organizations who will be willing to do that. If you were if you were a betting man, okay. Uh, so let's say there's miraculously no intervention of, of like actual troops coming in. How do you think the situation resolves? Like, what, what do you think would happen in in a world where we're not getting boots on the ground? I think that the United States, even if we don't sell U.S. boots on the ground, they might try to send some other neighboring foreign power to come in if things get more violent. So there's no world where this country is not about to get invaded in some way. I I mean, even if it doesn't get invaded, how do we deal with the vacuum of the political leadership of Ali Ali, who is completely legitimate as a leader of the country? What, what I would like to see is to find some way, and I know this is difficult to assess, to get an, inter, an, an intermediary coalition government that with a direct mandate to host an election that is respected by the parties on the ground within a year and find some kind of way to get a security force to deal with the gangs while we orchestrate at least a democratic election within a year with some kind of provisional government. I don't know how effective that can be done, though. I think it's going to be Canada that's sending boots on the ground. It's about time they have their own, like, you know, imperial war. Yeah, they need a faux pas. They're out of the news right now. Yeah. Nobody's talking about Canada. Trudeau could use a, yeah, just a bloodbath. He could use some blood on his hands. Yeah. I mean, he has some indirectly, but I think he, he, could, he probably... More than people know, Canada has definitely some imperial Haitian history, without a doubt. Right. Because, well, you know, they, they always talk about the Canadian-Cuban relationship, but uh, what, what's some of that, that history there with... Oh, well, Canada, Canada was one of the ones that signed the, the Ottawa Accord in 2003, which... Gave the green light to the U.S. Uh, the U.S. as well as France occupying Haiti in 2004 for the Aristide coup. There you go. Yeah, I mean, Aristide is is an example. Of somebody who uh, was. I mean, Bill Clinton can kind of take. He tries to take credit for for putting Aristide back in power, but there's obviously a lot more to that uh, sort of story that that gets 
overlooked. Um, like, what should people remember about Clinton's well, role? In- well, the Clintons have a dubious role with Aristide because at the same time that they brought Aristide back when he was unfortunately, unfortunately taken out by a Bush-sponsored coup d'etat in 91, they brought him up back where he, under the guise of having to sign on to massive neoliberal structural agreement packages that robbed and raped and pillaged the Haitian state coffers of its assets. Yeah. It also allowed some of Bill Clinton's homies to line his pockets with, with uh, Haitian state assets, revenue from Haitian state assets as well. And the uh, the American rice, I think it was rice, the industry. Bill Clinton also helped shut down domestic rice production in Haiti so that he can send his Arkansas homeboys to fill it up with their, their domestic rice production, causing a famine in Haiti where you literally had people having to eat dirt sandwiches. God. Yeah, that American rice, I bet it's not as good either as uh, homegrown Haitian rice. It's all corn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably. Probably. Don't look into it. Well, um, that's what's going on in Haiti. Yeah, right now. as as we're wrapping up here, any any closing thoughts? Anything uh, people should really take away? I think from people this should further? realize that it's about time that the West allowed the Haitian people to have some kind of sovereign, democratic, elected government that can respond to the will of the people, and that they can. If you can, please try to get your governments to start to stay out of the affairs of the Haitian people as much as possible, and allow them to rectify the issues on their own. You hit it here first. Uh, call your reps. Tell them hands off Haiti. Uh, even if you're not in the United States, especially if you're in Canada, call up the libs, Trudeau, tell him, no way, Jose. Call your libs. <laughs> uh, Pascal, where can uh, people find your work and follow you? Sure. I'm at This Is Revolution podcast on YouTube and all your relevant podcast apps. You can find my work at Black Agenda Board, Pascal Robert. Also, some of my work is at Newsweek. Uh, you can find my work at African Post. You know, Google my name. I've been all over the Internet. I've been writing for a while. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. All right. Okay. And that was Pascal Robert telling us about what's going on in Haiti. Feeling good. And it was a bummer. <laughs> uh, I did. I learned a lot. I said I wanted good to learn. Good vibes. Good vibes only. Yeah, we really gave him a dressing down after the interview. And <laughs> <laughs> we told him the vibes were off. Oh, Unfortunately... Oh. That's what you get this week. You no, get the no, vibes no. you're given, and you, you'll like it. Accurately reporting a thing that is bad vibes. <laughs> he was not bad vibes. Oh, well, some of the we best sh- vibes I've ever seen. <laughs> hey, man, you're not you're not signing up for the Sunshine Gazette podcast. <laughs> That's right. Uh, unrelated, I will be starting the Sunshine Gazette <laughs> for Patreon subscribers at the ten dollar tier. That's a gazette. It's mailed right to <laughs> is your. Is that house. an actual paper? I just sound. I said that. Thinking that's you like, said it so confidently, well, like positive news. It's yeah. news about how, like, hey man, everything's nice. Yeah, I'm today. gonna do little drawings and crayon. <laughs> it's the Sunshine <laughs> Gazette. There's a lot of fun stuff in there. I think it's There's actually poems. a oh, uh, puppies were born today. <laughs> there's one bit. There's a. It always has one blank page at the end, and there's like a little footnote at the bottom that's like, Alex gave this a kiss, just mm-hmm. for you, just for you. I think it's a newspaper in Florida, so wow. probably not very... It won't be around much longer. Is that the Sunshine well, not, State? Because it's the yeah, Sunshine Yeah, yeah, Sunshine Gazette. So probably not very happy news. It Actually, is, you know what? It's probably really fucked up because they have the Sunshine Law there, which is that uh, 
anything that happens legally, like arrests or anything like that, are automatically, what do you call it, like open public information. That's uh, why, like, Florida man stories exist. Because uh, you, you can just sit you can there read and, about everyone's arrest. Yeah, you just skim through everything that happened that week and just find all the fucked up shit that wouldn't get reported on. So Sunshine Gazette's probably actually fucked up, dude. <laughs> it's probably about people eating each other's faces and shit like that. Taking bath oh. salts, you know. So it could be every state that has Florida men of some sort. Right? Yeah. It's it's like a miss. I mean, Florida. Not not to take away from its rich culture that does lead to fucked up shit happening. It's just it also has that happening at the same time. Right. Right. And to, behind closed doors, we're all Florida men. And this is the beginning of my plug section. For ten dollars, the Sunshine <laughs> Gazette will be sent to your house. <laughs> Make sure to send that to me, and then do not follow up on that. Don't look into it. <laughs> Go ahead and give me $10. Uh, uh, check out my new podcast where I read Quora's with Jeremy Kaplowitz. It's called Quora-rators, which is Q-U-O-R-A-T-O-R-S. A bunch of people say they don't know how to spell it <laughs> or find it online, and that's Quora-tor. how it's spelled. <laughs> Quora-tors. 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 Uh, and Sounds like a Pokemon. That's I all. choose you, Quora-tors. Just stop bringing up Pokemon. I'm done. <laughs> that's it. That's it for me. Uh, at Andersley here on Twitter, Dursley one Instagram. I just published part two, finally published the second part of my counterfactual short story about World War One had the Russians not signed Brest-Litovsk. So after the Russian Revolution, had they gone on fighting the Western, the German, uh, and then the Western powers, what would have happened? Would revolution have spread across the world? I have two scenarios laid out for you uh, that you can read on my Substack, which we'll link to. And also, my other plug, sign up for our uh, Patreon. We got some fun stuff. A lot of Pokemon content also on our latest one about the late, great Paul Wellstone, whose Wildstone, Wildstone. death just occurred 20 years ago, Tuesday. Um, also, we do, we have a new member you can interact with of our Patreon. <laughs> Mr. Theo Chino has joined. After saying he would refuse to give us money, he finally caved after like a month of just stewing, I guess, and he's signed up. And uh, He wanted he can, to hear the episode you did about him. Yeah, That's right. He listened to the shit out of it. It gave us notes. He gave us feedback. <laughs> And you can interact with him if you join our, our Patreon. He's, yeah, a, a local uh, legend in, in New York City Living legend. politics. Yeah. Theo, get in the Discord and make some friends, man. Get in the robot, Theo. Uh, Jake, do you have anything? Uh, my plugs are that I'm going to go lay down and have a nice afternoon and take a nap. Come be Jake's big spoon. Do it. Um, I, I'm starting a show soon, but I don't have the details to to announce yet. You'll never know where this is (laughs) or what it is or when it is. Keep an ear out. It's coming. I'm going to do jokes again, but first, time to go turn into a goddamn Snorlax. Nice. Steve Bannon. (laughs) It's finished.